Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. I'm going to begin straight with my message today. If you're over the age of 25 and you're sat here today, you'll remember watching news reports of Flight 11 hitting the North Tower at the World Trade Centers at 8.46 a.m. on September the 11th, 2001, that first plane hit the towers. If you're under the age of 25, I hazard a guess that you'll remember these same images too because you've seen them in news reports and in history, people look at it because it was such a defining moment in history that that 9-11 date truly is embedded in each of our minds. And I, right at the start of this sermon, it doesn't matter whether you remember it firsthand or you, you have seen it in the past. I'd just like for every person in a little experiment to close their eyes for me. Really tightly close your eyes so that you can only see black. Even today, years later after 9-11, in your mind's eye, when I say 9-11 and when I talk about the Twin Towers, you can summon up a mental picture of those two towers. Can you see them right now in your mind's eye with your eyes closed? You can see the small figure of a plane flying into the side of the first, the North Tower, and a, a little plume of smoke Almost unreal watching on the news, the little plume of smoke that comes up as the plane hits the first tower. Even now you can then replay the events of the coming hours in your mind. Other planes hit the towers, the south tower gets hit. You can replay that image where the main supports in the building give way and there's a huge plume of smoke as the top of the building begins to drive down and it begins the collapse that ends at ground zero. You can see that big cloud of smoke in the top third of the tower. I can see crowds of people now when I close my eyes running away from the collapsing towers where there's grey and white smoke and the people are covered in dust and ash. And with your eyes still closed, you can see the crowds running away in those clouds. I'm, I'm sure these images are replaying and you can see them as clear as day in your mind's eye. When I shut my eyes, I can see the emergency services running towards the tower. So the crowds running away from the collapsing building. And then the emergency services, the firefighters and everybody running in the opposite direction to go and save lives. You can open your eyes. It's a vivid, vivid moment in history that we all can remember and go back to. On any given day, 50,000 people were in that office block, the two towers, 50,000 people, and 140,000 people went visiting every day or were guests of people that were in those buildings. A large percentage of those people made it out to tell the story. They're alive today. But we still remember and honour the 2,753 people that lost their lives on 9-11 at the World Trade Centres. 
So many lives were saved by the emergency services that day. Of the 2,753 people that lost their lives, 343 of those were New York City firefighters. 23 that lost their lives were New York police officers. And 37 of them were Port Authority workers. As I watched last September a documentary on 9-11, I began to write today's sermon. The message and the talk that I'm going to bring today was birthed out of a documentary about 9-11. While I was watching it, I had one burning question in my mind. When all of the crowds were running away from the danger, what was it that made the emergency services approach the fire, approach the danger, approach the problem? What was inside of them that despite such personal risk, they would run in the opposite direction to the crowd and go towards the dangerous situation? What made those emergency services face the fire? In that crisis panic moment, something greater than duty, something more than national pride, something more than a nation's flag, must be at work in that emergency services life that would cause them to go in the opposite direction and run towards the danger to save lives. So I thought long and hard about that question and I came up with this. They were equipped, they had equipment for the problem, but more importantly, they had experience. When you combined with their experience the collective duty of them as a group, They had an X factor. They had an adrenaline, an indescribable urgency to face the danger. I can't put that X factor in words this morning, but something rose up in them that meant we need to save lives. On the journey today that I want to take us on, I'm going to share three Bible stories. And these three Bible stories are all going to make the same point. My first reading, and I pray God speaks to us in a new way today, is from Exodus chapter 3. Everybody's seen the story Prince of Egypt, right? Have you seen the movie Prince of Egypt? If you haven't seen the movie, 63 of us have sat through an eight-hour Bible study, and we know about, um, about this story of Moses. And Moses was born, not wanted, put in a basket to protect his life, and sent up a stream And the palace where the pharaohs were raised found the basket with the baby in and he was raised as a son of Pharaoh. He was raised by the system of Egypt as part of the royal family almost. So he was raised out and then in later life he finds out that actually I'm not one of them. I'm not really part of the palace environment. I'm not Pharaoh's son. And he has a midlife crisis and he like regroups on his life and says, well, that's not me. And he looks out and realizes that the people that were being held captive by the regime that he'd been raised as were actually people that were in slavery and they were his people. So he left the palace in his midlife crisis and went out into the wilderness. He got himself a new wife, as seems to be the tendency when you, um, when you have a midlife crisis, got himself a wife. And, and this is where we pick, up, we pick up the story this morning, is Moses in the desert. He's in that place on the outskirts. 
And he had an experience. And I want us to read it together. Exodus chapter 3, verse 3. Now Moses was tending the flock for Jethro, his new father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was a fire and it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. This is what I want to talk to today about was that Moses saw something very strange, something very odd, and that's a bush that was just burning. And in that moment, God spoke to Moses. God spoke to Moses about his calling. This is a life-changing moment for Moses. This is the moment he has an encounter. This is the moment that God says to him, I've got a plan for you and this is what the plan is. Moses, uncertain and fearful, approaches the burning bush. He'd never seen anything like it in his life. But he's willing to put fear on one side, to face up to the fire, positioned him to hear God's voice. That's what that story is all about. This is the moment that God spoke clearly to Moses and said, you will be the one that goes back to Egypt and sets my people free. You will be the one that brings the freedom to the people that you love so dearly and you'll bring them the freedom that I want to see them have. Each of the three stories that I'm going to bring today have the same point and this is it and I'm going to be like Joseph today and ask you to repeat a word after me. Everybody say experience. Okay, we can do better than that. Everybody say experience. All right, very good. So this is my point and I want us to learn it and to get it. God never calls anyone or uses anyone without first giving them an... If you look through scripture and you find me any person that goes on to be used by God, I can take you to the moment where they had an experience, a calling, a moment where God said, this is what I want you to do, a moment where they were empowered, a moment where they were equipped. It doesn't matter who they are. If they were used by God, I can show you that experience moment. The burning bush was Moses' experience moment. As he goes on in his life and he receives the calling, he has to go and confront Pharaoh, which was a scary thing for him to have to do. He had to stand by and watch plagues attack the nation that he loved. As he leads the children of Israel out of captivity, he ends up with a pillar of fire behind him and a Red Sea in front of him. In any of those moments, Moses can close his eyes like we just did, tight and it can go black, but he can replay that moment where he stood in front of the burning bush. He can see with his mind eye that burning bush moment when God said to him from the burning bush, this is what I want you to do. This is the experience I want you to have. This is where I want you to go. So it didn't matter what he faced after that point. He was able to go back to the moment, the the experience moment of the burning bush. Last week, 
Sarah Payne did an amazing, amazing job about talking about hope. About the hope that we can have in every hopeless circumstance. Doesn't Some circumstances just feel hopeless, right? They just feel absolutely hopeless. And Sarah taught us last week that in, for the believer, in every hopeless circumstance, we can have hope. It is this living hope that means we can look at our life's fiery, twin tower, ground zero moments through different eyes. We can see our fiery ground zero moment as an opportunity rather than something that's going to bring us down. God doesn't just give us hope so that in that moment, the particular situation we're handling goes away. Or I just get my breakthrough and now I feel good again. Or that thing um, has stopped or that problem has got better now. That's not why we're given hope. We're given hope so that no matter what comes in our direction, no matter what series of events we have to go through, no matter what challenges come our way, we can have hope in every circumstance. That is the experience of hope that Sarah was talking about last week. I'm expecting that there are people that heard Sarah Payne's message last week about hope in every hopeless circumstance. But we still left that service to spend the week running in fear from the situation that we were told we could have hope in. I think there are people sat here today that that's what we did. We left and human nature kicked in. And we left and we, we didn't operate that hope. Today, we are going to leave this place having had an experience that will equip us to face any fire. And not only that, in every fire we will hear God's voice. I'm excited about what God is going to do in this place today. As we've had expectation rise in our spirit during the worship, I want you to allow expectation to rise in you right now. After today, every person within the sound of my voice will look differently at their challenges and their problems going forward. You will learn to face the fire. Another example of fire and facing it is found in Daniel, but three guys had fire forced on them. It wasn't like Moses where he had to choose to approach the fire. The fire was forced on them. They had no choice about it. And it's found in Daniel 3. It's long and I'm going to have to read it. King Nebuchadnezzar is an um, Old Testament king. Um, and he decided with all his leaders that we need to build a huge golden statue. And it needs to be the new God that everybody worships. So he built this amazing looking God and he said, right, the decree needs to go out that everybody worships this new God. And there were three guys that said, hey, listen, we worship the one true God, the one that we've been worshiping this morning, the praise that we've been doing today. That God, we worship that God and we won't bow down to the one you've made. Um, so like Daniel 3 verse 16, I'm going to read it to you. If you, can, if you have your Bibles, you can read it. It's quite long. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. So King Nebuchadnezzar said, If you don't bow down and worship this God that I've created, I'm going to throw you in the fire. You guys are going to die. And they said this in verse 17, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... 
The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the burning furnace. So these men were wearing robes, trousers, turbans and clothes and were bound and thrown into the burning furnace. The king's command was urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors, the crowd around them, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Wow, what a story. What a story. God was with them in the fire. Church, the reason we can face any fiery circumstances the reason we can face our twin tower moments, the reason we can face our ground zero is because he will be with you through whatever fire you face. Moses at the burning bush heard God's voice from the fire. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego met the Son of God in their fire. Jesus, the Son of God, he said, there's the Son of the gods in the fire with them. They met Jesus in the fire, how awesome is that? This fire was so hot that even the people that took them to put them in the fire died and lost their lives. That's how hot this fire is. Yet they had boldness in their speech in the face of deadly fire. I think it was astonishing. Listen to what they said. Even if God doesn't show up, we still won't bow to your fake God. Even if God doesn't show up, we still won't bow I wonder this morning if you've got some circumstances, problems, or I keep saying yours, they're not your problems, but um, if you've got something that you're going through, I wonder if you've got something and you don't look at it like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, I wonder if it's knocked your boldness. These guys, these three guys are in the Hall of Fame. Hebrews 11.32 in the New Testament gives them a nod. You look it up, I haven't got time to do the Bible study today. But they're in the Hall of Fame because God used them after this to bring in great change. Analyse the narrative of your life. Analyse the narrative of your challenges. Analyse the problem and the challenge. 
Analyse what your speech is like and whether it's your boldness has been knocked. How are your thought patterns when you hit something that you didn't expect? Because Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego faced the fire and had this experience, a new decree for the whole world to honour the one true God was put into place. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, it says they were promoted. Everybody say, God never uses anyone without first giving them an This was Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's experience. And then God used their lives to bring in change for the whole world. I love how empowering this story is. Can you imagine a com church full of people that see their circumstances and their problems as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did? I wonder whether we're doing it. Could you imagine what our church would be like? Can you imagine the impact we would have in this community and the place around if we approached the challenges we've had through different eyes? The final story that I want to talk about today is from Acts 2, and it's in the New Testament. It's the most thought-provoking of the stories that I'm going to share, but it makes the very same point the other two have in a New Testament way. Acts 2 is the story of the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. I'm going to read it, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 120 people were sat in the upper room. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is an experience moment for those that were in the upper room, the 120 that were there. Jesus had gone. I I mean, I love that we're about to go into a season that leads us up to Holy Week and Easter and then Pentecost, and I love that, and we're going to go to Lent. But the exciting thing that I have in my heart is that the Holy Spirit came in that moment of time, and it's here every day, Ever since, we don't have to go back to the beginning of Lent to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go back and relive a certain pathway to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. When it came that first time, it can come in exactly the same way repeatedly for every day of the year, ever since, from then back in Bible times, all the way up until 2020. And that's the early church experience. This moment was the birth of the church. This moment gave those that were present all the power and all of the authority that they would need to go and preach the gospel to the ends of the world. Acts 1.8. Everybody say Acts 1.8. Go and read it when you go home. This moment was the sneeze, the very first sneeze in a pandemic of the gospel that sent the pandemic of Jesus Christ's word all around the world. This moment was that birthing moment when when that pandemic began. The pandemic of the gospel is of epic proportions. It took the message of Jesus to every area of the world. It spanned every generation up until now to the point where on 
Today, 2020 in Dunstable, we're talking about that Holy Spirit moment right here. God never uses or calls anyone without first giving them an experience. This is the Acts experience. And then God went on to use them to spread the gospel around the world. When I was writing this sermon, I I was enlisting Scott's help and I was talking to him. I've been writing it over some time. And I asked him a question and um, just, would, would you help me? What do you think? And he came back to me with another question. And what he asked me in, in your message, is the fire that you're talking about the problem or is the fire you're talking about the solution? Is it the Holy Spirit? He said, Julian, you've got to be clear because your metaphors would be mixed. So, I mean, it challenged me. It stopped me in my tracks. I was like, I wonder which fire I'm talking about. Am I talking about the fire of the problem or am I talking about the fire of the solution? I had no choice. I had to do Bible study now. Scott like sent me off in a whirlwind in my head. Now I had to go and study what's going on with this. So I did. I studied fire in the Bible. All of these examples that I've read so far and so many more, it turns out that the best description that they had for a manifest move of God, the manifestation when God moved, the best description they had was that God is moving and it looks like fire. It wasn't actually fire. It was that it looks like fire. You need to get this this morning because it's the hook of what I'm saying. The burning bush that I've just talked about that Moses saw, it looked like fire, but it wasn't burning the bush. So it can't possibly have been fire because fire burns and consumes. It was something else, but it did look a lot like fire. The fiery furnace that I've talked about and we looked at, it looked like fire, but the guys inside of that were not burning. They weren't consumed. They were able to walk out of that situation unharmed without even the smell of smoke on their clothes. It can't possibly have been fire. It looked like fire and everybody around was saying that looks like fire. But it looked like fire. The scripture I've just read in the upper room The tongues of fire in the upper room were not fire. It says that it seemed to be fire that was separated and on everybody's head. The Holy Spirit was moving. The Holy Spirit touched everyone. And the best description they could come up with is that it looks like fire. The Holy Spirit isn't fire. But the best description in scriptures they had was we think that looks like fire. The problems and the circumstances that people faced in the Bible. The pillars of fire, the burning bushes, the fiery furnaces, the fear fires throughout the Bible also looked like fire. They weren't fire, but they looked like fire. So in answer to Scott's question to me, we often can't tell the difference between something God wants to use to get a message to us and the problem, and the situation. They both can look like fire. We must today, from this moment forward, change how we look at circumstances and problems and situations. The Word of God tells us all things work together for good, right? 
all things work together for good. That means that fiery situation that you were running away from in fear and scared of, perhaps God's voice was hidden in that situation. So why is there fear? Because all things work together for good for those that love and obey. We must change our perspective on problems. The word also tells us that God takes the things the enemy was going to use to harm us and he turns them into things that will bless us. Why is that? That's because we can't tell the difference between a challenge and what God is trying to talk to us. We just don't know the difference. We can't tell. God uses things the enemy sent to harm and turns it into a blessing. We're walking away from it. I don't want to be involved in that. That situation hurts too much. I don't want to do it. I'm turning my back on it and I'm going over here. Yet there was a voice in the burning bush. There was a Jesus next to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We have to change our perspective on what we're going through. Church, if we raise our body temperature through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like the people had on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, when our body temperature raises because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we won't notice that we're walking towards the fire. The temperature difference between us and the fire, they become close. When I was growing up and we, we had a holiday home on the south coast, my dad had a boat and um, on lovely days when the sun was shining and the sea was nice, we would go out on the boat. On stormy days when things were like windy, the weather was bad, the waves were high, um, still as a young person, I need to be kept busy, otherwise I'm a teenager causing problems. So they got me into windsurfing. Windsurfing like, is like sailing but just standing on a board. So like on days where it was too rough to use the boat, I went windsurfing and I learned how to windsurf. I'm good at it. It was great. But like we would have the windsurfer on the top of the car um, and it would be there with all the equipment and dad would go and park it at the marina where I would go and launch and be there and they would go off shopping and just leave the car there and I would have the car key. Um, and there was a place where everybody walked past and I, the windsurfer was parked there and it was on the roof of the car. It's windy, it's cold, it's the day you don't want to go out on the summer holidays, you know, everybody's depressed, it's cold, don't want to go out, it's wet and windy. I would take off my clothes and just be in my swimming shorts, just standing there taking the surfboard off, taking the sail off the roof of the car, in the wind and in the rain, and everybody's with their coats on, and everybody's walking past, walking their dogs, freezing cold, gloves and hats, walking along, and I'm standing there in my shorts, and my body temperature is dropping as I'm getting ready to go windsurfing. It's dropping and dropping, and then I would put my wetsuit on. But because my body temperature dropped while I was at the side of the road, just preparing the way, and everyone's saying, what's this idiot doing, like, dressed like that in the freezing cold and the rain? When I came to get in the water, the difference between my body temperature and the water I was about to get into reduced. Now I can walk into the freezing cold sea of the English Channel and not notice the difference. The opposite is true here. If we can get an experience, God never used anyone without first giving them. If we can have an experience of the Holy Spirit that raises our body temperature, 
When it comes to approaching our circumstances, the differential between our body temperature and the fiery circumstances gets closer together. Church, can you change your perspective on what you're going through? God's voice, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will all be found in the fire like the stories I've mentioned. Let's stop running in fear from our circumstances and face up to the fire. When we master this, I love this. When we master this, when everybody in this room gets this in their heart, we're ready to be the fourth emergency service for our community. Is that not awesome? Are we ready to be that fourth emergency service for our community? That they would be like, they would look at this burning bush and they'd be out there and go, what's happening over there like Moses? And go, I think we need to come and have a look what's going on with those people at Com Church. When we understand that we need to raise our body temperature and be saturated in experience of the Holy Spirit. God wants a people of destiny, a people of calling, and he is ready to give you the experience that will back up the calling that he's going to give you. God never used anyone without first giving them an experience. We're going to leave this place today having had an experience that will mean we can face any fire. Any fire we're going to be able to stand up to. But not only that, when we stand and we face up to that fire, we're going to hear God's voice from right within that very fire that we were previously run from. After today, we're changing the eyesight that we use to look at our problems, the things that we go through. <clears throat> Would you shut your eyes until you see that black again? Really tight, see the black. Can you think back to your upper room experience? Can you think back right now to the moment when the Holy Spirit saturated you and raised your body temperature? That moment that the Holy Spirit shaped how you would look at your circumstances from that point on. Can you send your mind back to that moment? Think back to your tongues of fire moment. When was it? in your history that you had that tongues of fire moment. I'm expecting that it's completely black for many people here today. And that when we did this earlier for the 9-11 experiment, you saw great towers and you saw all of the things I was describing. But when I've just described that moment when you had your experience, there's still just black in front of your eyes. You can't see a vivid image like you can when I talked about 9-11. For anyone that has black in front of them, now is your time. Now, in this moment, is the moment where the Holy Spirit wants to saturate your life and give you an experience that will change your life forever. God never intended you to do life alone. He sent a helper that would give you the strength for everything that comes in your direction. He never intended you to do it alone. 
I don't know how this is going to work today. I hope that you could be honest in this moment. And if you can't see your Holy Spirit experience moment, I'd like to ask you to come to the front during our worship at the end of this service because you need what I'm talking about. God never used anyone, never called anyone to do anything without first giving them this experience that I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit wants to touch you today. Keep your eyes closed because there's another group of people actually that I think will also be here today. Perhaps the mental image of your Holy Spirit moment has gone faint and it's a distant memory as you've closed your eyes. For some reason, the fire has gone out. Perhaps you're just left with the embers of a memory of when you were passionately on fire for God. Maybe you can just faintly remember when nothing would stop you and it was the beginning of your faith journey and the Holy Spirit saturated your life. And you could face up to any fire, but somehow circumstances, problems, the way you've been treated, hurt, sickness, emotion, the things of life have caused that memory to become faint. You too need an experience here today. God wants to give Com Church an experience, and I believe this is the moment. God has a plan to use us. He has a destiny for each one of us. But we have to be able to close our eyes like Moses on the journey and see our burning bush. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you, and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.